Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right, what do you know about angels? You know, and you can't use like Highway to Heaven or uh, right, any of that for your, your background, right? Some of you guys, what is Highway to Heaven, right? If I, yeah, okay, yeah. Touched by an angel? No, right? Still like, yeah, knocked out. But what do you know about angels? You know a lot? Not very much, right? I, and, and, there's, and there's all these, these thoughts, right? There's myths out there regarding angels, and I want to share a couple of those myths with you uh, that maybe you believe about angels. And here's the first myth, is that uh, angels are uh, plump, little, naked babies uh, flying around, right, shooting people in love. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's not true. Actually, uh, this next picture is a biblical drawing of what angels probably look like. Yeah, like that, right? Right? And so it's like you understand why they go, uh, don't be afraid. <laughs> right? That's one of the first things you almost, almost always hear them saying in Scripture. Uh, but yeah, angels, uh, they're, they're not little you know, naked babies flying around. The second myth is this. Uh, everyone has a guardian angel. Um, that's, the Bible says that angels watch over people according to God's will, but they're not like our own spiritual bodyguards uh, that follow us around and keep us from doing dumb stuff. You know the dumb stuff you've done, right? They weren't on on task that day. Uh, So that's another myth. Uh, Third myth is that we become angels when we die. Uh, And we just don't. We don't become angels when we die. Angels are a completely different creation of God, uh, very, very different from humans. And so this topic of angels can be a challenging topic to get our head around sometimes because we don't uh, understand a whole ton about them. And, and being transparent with you, before I took the time to do the study for this message, uh, I had just chosen to not learn much about angels because I did not understand why they would be important for me to know and to understand. And so I feel like I've grown quite a bit on this topic over the last few weeks. Um, But isn't that true about too many other topics from the Bible? Not just angels, but there's too many other topics from the Bible that um, we don't really understand or it takes effort to learn how to read and study the Bible rightly, right? Sometimes it takes work and it takes effort to do that. And you have to understand, most verses from the Bible are plain to understand, but some do take work. They do take effort. They take thinking. They take meditating. And when you have already had a stressful day at work, And maybe you come home and you're married and you have kids and and you come home and the kids are very, very needy on that day. And you have chores that you still have to get done at the end of the day. Many times one of the last things you want to do is add one more challenging thing on top of that, like reading and studying the Bible. And so what do you do? You, You read a devotional. You listen to a worship song. You binge on Netflix, right? And, and none of that is inherently bad or wrong. But what you have to know is that a devotional thought 
is written what someone else heard God speak to them. A worship song is written by someone else who heard God speak to them, right? And so when, we, when we're only looking at devotional thoughts, when we're only looking or listening to worship songs, we're getting second-hand encounters at best when, when we're doing that. And when you bypass reading the Bible for yourself, you miss out on what God has to say to you in that moment, from that passage. And I don't want anyone, I don't want you to miss out hearing what God has to say to you through the Bible. Because when you hear God speak to you through Scripture, it will change your life in an amazing way. And so today, what I want to do is I want to show you two truths about understanding God and one decision that you can make today that will help you focus on the Lord in a fresh way. So if you brought a Bible with you, uh, open up to Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, so that's towards the back of the New Testament, or you can just click uh, on your device uh, on over there. And while you're going to Hebrews 1, I do want to welcome you to Lighthouse Community. My name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here. Yeah, thanks, man. Everybody else got a woo. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm so glad you're here. Uh, um, it's going to be a great morning. I want to welcome especially all of our guests who are here today. And then if you're joining us online, Bluffton Community, Fostoria, any friends from Living Hope, and then all of our friends that are joining us at Lighthouse Online right now, we're really glad that you're with us today. Uh, we're actually continuing on in this series called Focus, like Larry mentioned. And, and really the drive on this is resisting the drift away from Jesus. And so we're really focusing in on how do we direct our attention? How do we direct our thoughts, our eyes on Christ and see that he really is greater than anyone else? He's greater than anything else you will ever encounter in your life. That's really what this is all about. And so before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and pray together. So I'm going to ask you if you'll bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord, is always... We want to hear from you way more than we hear from anybody else. And so I'm asking, like, I, I just know in my own life, like, I've got things going on in my mind, things weighing on my spirit um, that I'm bringing into this room with me. Uh, I can imagine that my friends here today are in a similar position, and I'm wondering if you would grant us the courage and the faith to set those things to uh, to the side, to actually just put them in your hands, um, not that they're unimportant, not that we shouldn't think or pray or, or trust you with them, uh, but that right now we wouldn't be clouded by all of those things, and instead really turn to you, hear what you have to say through the scriptures, and then ask your spirit to give us the, the faith to trust you in those areas. And so, Holy Spirit, would you, would you just mine the different layers of our hearts and our souls, maybe to even identify places where we're still holding on to control, we're resisting your leadership in our lives, and may you touch on those and gently call us towards yourself to say, uh, I can walk with you, I can lead you better in that area than you can lead yourself. And so bring us to a new place of faith today, we pray, through the name of Christ. Amen. 
All right, so Hebrews chapter one. Uh, we're kind of starting in the middle of a verse because uh, we talked about one through three last week. So we're gonna pick up on four. So if it feels a little bit halfway, it is. But this is what it says starting in Hebrews 1, 4. Uh, talking about Jesus. Jesus, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness before your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Here's the first truth that I want to put out for us today. It's this, that's so clear from the scripture, is that Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than the angels. And so this entire section is focused on the reality is that Jesus is different than angels and Jesus is greater than angels. And when you look at these verses, actually what you can do very quickly is you can have two columns and see what you learn about angels from these passages and see what you learn about Jesus from these passages. And so we're gonna do that really quick. We're gonna move through it, uh, like I said, fairly quickly, but just kind of hang with me. So here's the first thing we learn about angels in and then we'll move to the next. First, we see that angels are created by God. And angels are not God's sons the way that Jesus is the son. God is not their father the way that God is the father of Jesus. And so you have to see that angels are not a part of the Trinity, right? So the Trinity is a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no space for angels in there. Right? It's just those three persons in the Godhead. You also see from these passages that angels worship Jesus. And no one worships angels. In fact, there's places in the scriptures that prohibit worshiping angels. But angels do worship Jesus. You also learn that angels are spirits and their servants. We look at the last verse, verse 14. It says that angels are spirits who minister to people and serve those who are coming to faith. And so when you think about that from a practical level, that if you've said yes to Jesus by faith, if you've come to genuine dependence in God through Jesus Christ, the reality is, is that there was probably an angel, a part of your team, partnering with the Holy Spirit and the church, helping you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is one of the roles that they play, right? You might not have known that. I didn't realize that until I was studying this passage. But that's what it says about angels. Look at what it says about Jesus, though. It says that Jesus is God's son, and God is Jesus' father. That means Jesus is a member of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
It also says that Jesus is God's firstborn. Now, for us, you might think, oh, well, Jesus was born first or he was created first, but that's not what this is communicating. In fact, what it's saying is Jesus has the same rights and privileges that a firstborn son would have in a family, right? And so it's things like this. The firstborn receives greater honor than anyone else in the family. The firstborn leads the family. The firstborn can speak on behalf of the family. And so it's saying that Jesus is God's firstborn son in that way, that he takes preeminence over absolutely anything or anyone else. You also find from these verses that Jesus is the object of worship. And in fact, one day, absolutely everybody is going to worship Jesus. That will happen in the future one day. It says that Jesus' authority will last forever, that his authority is marked by righteousness, and it's anointed with joy. It also says that Jesus is the creator of all things, and that he's eternal, and he's unchanging. Jesus is victorious over sin, over death, and over Satan. Do you see what the writer of this letter is doing. He's making the truth painfully clear, painfully obvious that Jesus is not like angels. In fact, he's different than angels and he's greater than angels. And so they don't live in the same plane, right? Jesus is worshiped, angels are not. These are two different persons, two even just, yeah, I mean, they're just not even the same class at all. And so that begs the question, well, why? Why is this so important? Why is the writer working so hard to make this truth clear? That leads us to our second point that we're talking about today. The first one is Jesus is greater than angels. Well, when we're looking at this letter, the second thing we see is that some were choosing ignorance. Some people in this church, right, in this church that Hebrews is written to, were choosing ignorance, Now, something very important about ignorance is this. I think in our culture, we don't always use that word uh, in the proper way. Ignorance simply means a lack of knowledge. That that is the core definition of that. Ignorance is lack of knowledge. And so ignorance can come from the uh, reality that you've simply not been exposed to an idea before. Okay, You don't know what you don't know, what you haven't encountered before. Ignorance can come from that. But ignorance can also be a choice. There are people who choose to remain uninformed about certain ideas, information, or topics. And in looking through the entire letter of Hebrews, it seems like there's a little bit of both in this community. Some just because they didn't know, they don't know what they don't know, but then it seems like some are choosing ignorance as well. And the reason I say that is, if you flip over just a couple of chapters to chapter 5 in the book of Hebrews... Uh, the writer has some very um, clear language uh, to this community of faith when you're looking at Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It says this, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. How'd you like to have that for your Sunday morning message, right? (laughs) I love you, but you're dull. Um, Look at verse 12. You have been believers so long now 
that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Right? Like this is very clear language. There's another version that actually has verse 11 this way. It says, you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. And so it appears that in this community of faith, there were people who were choosing ignorance. And we don't really know why they were choosing ignorance. But what does seem clear is the writer of this letter is, is he knew that he had to call them up into clear thinking about Jesus and about faith, and about spiritual matters. And perhaps in this community, the people were putting Jesus and, and angels at the same level, right? They didn't really understand that Jesus is God, and so they're going, well, he must be some form of an angel. And, and they're kind of coaching and teaching each other that, but they weren't really looking at the scriptures to help them find understanding and, and truth. And so this writer is helping them to understand What he does say is this, he says, listen, you've been following Jesus long enough that you should have matured to the point that you're teaching others about faith and how to follow Jesus. But instead, you're actually in the place where you need someone else to come and teach you, right? And because this group was choosing ignorance, it limited how God could use them in ministering to each other, but also in sharing the gospel thoughtfully with other people who were living in spiritual blindness. And it's very easy to look at that group and go, well, shame on them, right? They should, they should know better, those babies. And, and, you know, like look down on them. But the reality is, is that you and I, we are not so different from this group of people. We're not. Because too many of us are choosing ignorance about biblical truth. You're choosing to stay uninformed about truth. You don't actually know what the Bible says about repentance or baptism or prayer or resurrection or spiritual battle, right? You know what you have heard other people say, but you've actually never gone to the scriptures yourself to see what it has to say and what God has to say to you. Why do we do that? Well, I think... For, for some of us, there are some things in the Bible that are hard to understand. That's true. There are some things in the Bible that are hard to understand. And what happens is because there are a few things that are difficult to understand, we assume that all of the Bible must be difficult to understand. And so we just stay away from it. And that's just simply not true. Actually, the wild majority of Scripture is plain and understandable. And if you just do a plain reading, it comes very, very clearly. Right? It's actually not very difficult at all. But, but then there's another group, right? For others of us, it's simply that you won't make time in your schedule to study and think about the Bible. And the reason is why is you don't see the value in it yet. It, it hasn't made sense to you why it's valuable. And so what you choose to do is you invest your time in things that you do find valuable, right? Hobbies, exercising, um, you know, it could, uh, could be video games, could be social media, could be relaxing through movies, things along those lines. You just haven't come to the place where you have said that the Bible is valuable for me to intentionally give time to that. But these other things, it's valuable for me to give time to, right? That's another group. But then there's an even larger group that I think is out there. 
And you're choosing ignorance because no one has ever taught you how to read and study the Bible. And that's, that's actually why, right? You've tried to read, you've tried to study, but you feel frustrated. And, and you kind of, you just, you, you give up. And I want you to know something. No one ever taught me how to read and study the Bible either. When I first came to faith in, later in life, nobody sat down with me and showed me how to read and study the Bible thoughtfully. And so what I did was I, just, I went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night because that's how we did it back then in the day, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so I was there, and I would try to read in the Bible, right? I would try to do what the pastor did on Sunday morning. I'd find a verse, and then I'd go find another verse and try to figure out how those things linked up together, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to do that, right? I'd, I'd start the Bible in a year, go to Genesis 1, and then give up about 12. You know, I didn't, nobody taught me how, how to read and study the Bible, and it wasn't until I made a decision that I made a decision, I planted a flag in the ground that said, I am going to learn how to read and how to study the Bible. When I made that decision, that's when I saw God start to transform my life through the Bible in clear and remarkable ways. It was incredible. And so what I want to invite you to do here in the house with me today, or maybe you're joining us online from another location, is I want to invite you to make that same decision as well, that you're going to learn how to read and how to study the Bible. That that is going to be a conviction no matter where you are on the spectrum. Maybe you're just starting it out. Maybe you've been trying and frustrated. Maybe you know how to uh, read and study the Bible. And so maybe for you it's actually helping someone else do that. But I want to do this in the house this morning. Also, if you're joining us online, I want to, let's just say this together, that I'm going to learn how to read and study the Bible. Are you ready on the count of three? One, two, three, go. I'm going to learn how to read and study the Bible. There you go. That's all it takes, and now you're ready, right? No, there's a little bit more to it, okay? Maybe you're joining us online. Type that in the chat. Let us know that you're going to learn how to read and study the Bible as well. Because that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to do. If you look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, which is right after this discussion on angels and Jesus, he says this. Actually, let's read this passage out loud together, starting with, therefore we must. Are you ready? Go. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We've got to concentrate on the truth of Scripture. This is what he's saying. This is what he's writing. And when you learn how to read and study the Bible, it will change your life. It will transform your life. What will happen is you'll rely less on podcasts. You'll rely less on devotionals. You'll rely less on worship songs. You'll rely less on this guy talking on Sunday morning. Again, not that this stuff's wrong, not that it's not beneficial, but you won't be living off of those things because you will discover the literal joy of hearing God speak to you through the scriptures. And I want you to know that joy that I experience as well. And so many other people that I know experience that too. And so before we talk about how to Bible study, I want to share with you what Bible study is. Because there is a difference between Bible reading and Bible study. You know what the main difference is between Bible reading and Bible study? I will tell you. It's a pen. That's the main difference. 
Study begins when you start writing things down. Study begins when you start writing things down. And so for a Bible study, you're going to need a few tools. Uh, First off, we already talked about it. You're going to want a pen and you're going to want a notebook. This is where you're going to record insights, prayer requests, uh, questions that you have, uh, ways you're going to trust God in your life. That's the first one. The second tool you're going to need is a Bible. Right? You're going to need one of those. And by the way, any Bible that you can easily understand will do. I want to say this clearly. All of the current translations are solid. All of the current translations are solid. Right? Uh, pretty much every single one of them are translated from the original Greek and the original Hebrew. You need to know that. And so some are a little bit easier to read and understand than others, but all of them are great. Personally, I prefer a study Bible because there's a couple of additional tools in there that can be helpful in understanding what the scriptures have to say. But you don't have to have one, but you just need to have a Bible. And here's the third thing you need. You need a process. You need a process. And so what I want to do in the time we have left is I want to very quickly walk you through my personal process of studying Scripture uh, when I'm alone and and through some uh, certain passages of the Bible. And so, again, we're going to move through these fairly quickly. If you're a note taker, uh, just hang with me. Um, You might want to come back and and listen to this later. But here's step one. you got to pray. The Holy Spirit and Scripture are so tied together Um, right? And so pray, ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes and your mind and lead you into his truth. Step two, you got to read, okay? You simply got to read. And so if you're new to reading the Bible, what you might do, again, I don't recommend you start in Genesis 1 and try to finish through Revelation in a week. Probably not the best of ideas, okay? What you might do is actually start in a New Testament letter like Ephesians, It's short enough, you can read through it a couple of times very, very easily, Um, but you could do that, and all you do is you start in chapter 1, verse 1, and you just read. You just read, right? Step three, put yourself in the context, right? Context. Put yourself in context. So this is where a study Bible comes in helpful. Look at the introduction. Who wrote this? Who was receiving this? What were their lives like? What were things they were facing? What was going on in the city or the region of that time? Right, Because what happens is is it puts up little flags to go, oh, this is probably important. Uh, This is what they were dealing with. When you understand what's going on in the lives of people who were receiving letters from Paul, you begin to realize these people were facing very similar things that we're facing today and, quite frankly, much, much worse things. They were losing their businesses. They were losing their lives. They were being beaten for no other reason they were following Jesus Christ right? Like, and you begin to realize why these letters were so meaningful for them. And so when you're reading that, try to get in the context. Put yourself in first century Ephesus if you're reading the letter to Ephesians. It's going to help you amazingly. Here's step four. Look for words. So read your passage again and look for any important words. You think, oh, this word looks important. Write it down. Look for repetitive words, right? You see it again and again. Look for words you don't understand, Right? That happens to me often. I'll just write them down. I'll go look up and see, what does this word mean? Um, and even, you know, look it up in the English, and if you have, there's, I won't talk about them today, but there's resources that you can look up, uh, the original Greek and Hebrew too, if you want to. And it just helps to open up understanding in, a, in an incredible way. Step five, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. What is this teaching me about him? What is this saying about God? 
What is this saying about Jesus, right? Because what you need to know is more than anything, the Bible is meant to help you know who God is. Way more than what you should go do. Because you can go do the right thing without the Lord. And that's called religion. And that's just as sinful as doing the wrong thing without the Lord. Okay, So the Bible is overwhelmingly meant to help you know who God is. So write down what you learn about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit from those verses. Here's step six. Identify any commands to obey, truth to believe, or sin to confess. Commands usually show up this way. You should or don't do this, right? Those are commands. Truth is statements like, Jesus is God, or you've been adopted and chosen in Christ. And so those are things for you to believe as a Christ follower. And what happens is when you identify commands and you identify truth, what naturally begins to happen is sin begins to bubble up, right? You begin to realize, oh, I don't really believe that, or I don't really live that way. And, and you realize that the Bible is exposing things in your life. Write that down, right? Like write that stuff down. Because that leads to step seven, is the gospel, okay? The question then becomes, how does the gospel apply? Because you're going to come across commands that you aren't obeying or you don't want to obey. You're going to discover truth that you don't believe right now or you don't want to believe. And the Holy Spirit is going to reveal sin in your life along the way. And when that happens... You confess that, and you remind yourself that Jesus obeyed absolutely every command on your behalf, and Jesus believed every aspect of truth on your behalf, and that Jesus took the ownership for every single one of your sins in your life, and he took ownership of all of that, and he took the punishment for it. And so now, by grace through faith, he gives you all of the blessings of a perfect relationship with God. And when you realize that, you transition to praise, you transition to celebration, you transition to doing what the the angels were talked about in chapter one. You worship Jesus, that he's accomplished all of that on your behalf, right? And then that leads to the last step, step eight, which is trust, trust. Now, In light of all of that, how will you trust God in your daily living? And so maybe there is a command that you have not been obeying, but you know Jesus has done on your behalf, and he's transforming your heart to want to walk in alignment with him from here on out. Maybe there's a truth that you haven't been believing, and you're now stepping into believing that, right? But you're not doing that out of fear. You're not doing that out of guilt. You're not doing that to pay back or prove yourself that you're worthy. You're doing it out of joy for Jesus' work in your life. You're doing it out of love and thankfulness and gratitude. It's it's very similar, but from totally different places. I cannot describe just the width of how far apart those two places are. And so what happens is maybe there ends up being a truth that you want to share with somebody else, Not out of self-righteousness, but because you want others to resist ignorance too. 
And so that's a quick process. It, by the way, if you'd like to receive that process um, tomorrow, fill out your connection card. There's a next step on the back there. I will email you this whole process uh, tomorrow, and then you can use that in your own life as well. But know that you need to set aside about 30 to 60 minutes for this kind of study, okay? And so do that about once a week or so, and then in between you're doing that study, uh, just read the Bible, right? Spend your 30 to 60 minutes studying, and then, you know, maybe you do that on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and then the next day, you just read the Bible, right? Because there's going to be next steps that God calls you out of that, and you just need time to walk in it, right? You need time to let the Holy Spirit transform your life along the way. And so as you're working and walking with him, you're reading other scripture that's just kind of encouraging and supporting the things that you're, you're taking steps in as well, right? In between, read the Bible. In between, discuss the Bible. Invite the Holy Spirit to teach you how to love the Bible because learning to study the Bible is the best way to know who God is and what he's done for you. Absolutely incredible. And so here's just two next steps I would throw out for you to consider today. The first one is this, is uh, maybe you're at a place you're ready to sign up for our Saying Yes to Jesus class. And so the Saying Yes to Jesus class is a one-time, 60-minute class that's going to help you discover what is it like to follow Jesus, and then it's also going to help you to go in greater detail what we just did this morning. How do I read and study the Bible in more depth. And so the next class is Sunday, May 7th during our 11-11. Uh, so you can literally sign up for that right now and reserve your seat. The other next step is to join a small group. As Larry mentioned, today is the last day before small groups begin. And you got to know, the same way that God will use Bible reading, he'll use Bible study, he'll also use Bible discussion that you have with your small group to help you think more clearly and to focus your eyes on truth. By the way, this a small group is a place where you can ask questions that come up in your own Bible study time, right? So maybe you're reading, you're studying, some questions come up, and you go, hey, I have this question about this thing. Does anybody else have some thoughts on this or help me understand? And you're going to have people in your group who are like, yeah, I, you know, I wrestled with that. Or, or no, I have that same question. And, and what will happen out of that is your small group will begin to minister to one another along the way. And so I hope you'll consider joining up for a small group. A small group. And, and I know, listen, I understand that one of the barriers to joining a small group is time. I get that. You're busy. Christine and I, we're busy too, right? Like we've got four kids, they're all doing stuff. I, I understand that. What Christine and I also understand is that we need other believers to walk with us through this journey of life. That's why we're in a small group every single semester, because we need you. We need you in our lives, praying for us, encouraging us, walking with us, uh, all of those things. And so I get it. And, and I want to say something. I'm going to say something, and it's going to come across. I don't want it to come across in some kind of heavy guilt uh, way. What I, what I want to say is actually to be very empowering, because many of us have actually forgotten this. We've forgotten this very fundamental truth, and I want you to know this today. You are in charge of your schedule. And that is not meant to be guilt-inducing. That is not meant to, that is just a reminder. I forget it. I imagine you forget it as well. You are in charge of your schedule, and you determine how you spend your time. And so I hope 
that you'll find a way to read and study the Bible and to journey with other growing disciples. And if you're taking one of those next steps, I would love if you would let me know on your connection card. And, and again, this week, just again, being transparent, this week's message was pretty challenging for me to, to prepare for because I'm not an angel expert, right? I know I look like one, and I'm a joy to be around all of the time. Uh, but I, I had... Why are you laughing so much, Christina? That's not... That's not very fair. Um, but I, I really did. I had to spend a lot of time learning over the last few weeks. I had to spend a lot of time thinking. This message was, was far more work for me than uh, usually it is. And, and I was stuck. What I was really stuck on, it wasn't the content. What I was stuck on was trying to understand how do I teach this to my family in a way that causes us to want to trust the Lord a little bit more. And so I remember, uh, actually this week, it was Tuesday morning, uh, I was at the dinner table and I was working on it and I was just stuck and I'm thinking and I'm praying and I, my brain was just all locked up. And so what I did is I got up from the table and I went downstairs into the basement and I started, I don't want to admit this because she's in the room, but I went downstairs and I started folding laundry, um, right? And so I, I don't want her to know. Uh, <laughs> I can do it. Um, and so and so I'm down, and I'm folding laundry, and as I'm folding laundry, I'm thinking about all I've learned. I'm talking with the Lord. I'm thinking of these passages. I'm going, okay, how does all this connect together, and how do we talk about this in a meaningful way? And about five underwear in to the process, it just, it clicked, right? It, it clicked for me all of a sudden. And I want to tell you this. That's the point of reading and studying the Bible is spending time with the Lord. That's the point. See, if you're like me, you're type A, you're always achieving, you're always looking for the points to, to get at the end of the day. We go, what's the thing I'm supposed to learn? What's the thing I'm supposed to do? What's the thing I'm supposed to get right? And the reality is that the primary goal of study and being in the scripture is simply spending time with the Lord. That's the goal. That's the win. And sometimes what it looks like is you read and you write and you think and you read some more and you pray and you listen and you meditate some more. And, even so, and sometimes it comes very quickly and it comes very easily and other times you actually end with more questions than what you started with. And at the end of it, it's all okay because you're doing what God wants more than anything, which is to spend time Together. That's the point over anything else. And so I hope you do learn how to read and study the Bible. But more than anything, I hope that you learn the joy of spending time with your Father who has created you in His image and loves you passionately. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. I'd like you to ask this question, if you would. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. God, we know that we need you. 
We need you in every way and in every aspect. And, and I imagine that there are people in this room that I am not so dissimilar from, that we're very action-oriented. We're looking for the ways to, to get better or to win or to improve or, or all of those types of things. And, and sometimes we just overlook the fact that all you have ever really wanted is a people who would call you their God and you would call them your people and you would live together in joy and fellowship for all of eternity. I wonder if you would lead us as a family to that place together. I wonder if you would lead us to invite more and more people to be a part of this family, not just here at Lighthouse, but just the larger, your family, the body of Christ. We want to learn how to rely on you more. We want to learn how to love you more. We want to discover the joy of simply being with you. If what we're talking about today sounds challenging, it is. It can be. Which, which is exactly why at the end of every service, we love to spend time praying together. And so let me tell you what's going to happen if you're newer to Lighthouse Community. Uh, the band's actually, they're going to make their way up on stage, uh, probably even now, and they're going to lead us in one more song. And during this song, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room. I'm going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll start heading to those areas, even now, ready to receive people for prayer. So we'll have one up here by the cross, one's already there by the sound booth, one's guarding the double doors, and we'll have one up here on my left, your right. And so if you want to pray about absolutely any area of your life at all, these prayer leaders are available to pray with you about anything. Please, and please don't ever, ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Every single one of us needs prayer. I need prayer. Heidi needs prayer. I'm very good friends with Larry. Larry needs prayer, right? I know him. And so, right, we all, we all need prayer. And this is such a great opportunity to, to minister to one another, to take steps of growth and maturity, right? No longer, no longer needing milk like, like infants, but rather maturing to the place where we begin to minister to other people. And so maybe you have something going on in your life. Maybe you know of something going on in a friend or a family member's life and you want to pray with them or pray for them today. All of that is totally on the table. But if you're here in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you. And then if you'd like to pray, you can do that and we can worship together as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.